Welcome back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast, and welcome to another sit rep episode. As always, everybody, I'm your host, Austin. There's a ton to jump into. If you guys are new here, if you're just stopping in for the first time, first off, huge thank you. Thanks for checking us out. Uh, but if you are new, the sit reps are, we do these about once a month. Uh, I'm actually trying to stay on top of it. It's, it's the first of October, and uh, there's been plenty of that has developed that we need to talk about. So jumping right on the horse and getting to things, we're going to talk about some legislative ongoings, um, some new, uh, well, I think everything's new and interesting that comes out of the White House lately, given how radical I think, this is my opinion, their agenda has been. Um, there's there's a couple different things we're going to get into, uh, some stuff that is especially applicable for those in our space that are concerned with, I think, um, preserving our Second Amendment rights in a way that is, uh, you know, in alignment with the Constitution. I don't think that anything that we're talking about or will talk about today is, you know, can be, cons- I mean, some people will tell you it's radical, um, that it's right-wing extremism. It's really not, um, and, and I'll share my views on that. I've, I've done it before, and um, I think if you're here, you're checking this stuff out, you probably are going to agree with me on most of this. So some really good stuff to get into. Um, like I said, you know, we, this is a sit rep episode. We try to do these once a month. Uh, I almost did a second one for last month when some of this news broke and you know, uh, it's tough because you want to kind of have enough time to digest information. You want to have time to gather that, that information, vet it out, make sure that, um, basically that the, the mainstream media got it right, you know, before you kind of jump out there to a conclusion, um, I hate it when the media does that because then um, what we've come to see in the last couple of years especially is that our mainstream media outlets, um, basically they don't really do retractions. They will, you know, ignore, they'll, they'll put out like a an online statement or something or a tweet saying that they were wrong. And that's the retraction. You don't you don't see anchors getting out on the TV and saying, you know, we're sorry, we are previously reported this, it was wrong. Um, and if you guys have ever watched the show The Newsroom, or I, think, or I think it's just Newsroom with uh, Jeff Daniels on, I believe it was like HBO Max. Uh, it's great. It's a great series. Um, but I bring it up because they actually had something like that come up in one of the episodes. They're short seasons. And, um, and granted, it's a little bit, the show itself is like liberal swinging and they even portray Daniels' character as a conservative who comes around to being kind of liberal on things. But the heart of the issue is is truth in the media, and um, they report something, and it becomes a very big issue because they have to, they were wrong, and they, they have to, you know, make a retraction, they have to, you know, apologize and be corrected and things. It's a very big issue, and I think that we've kind of lost touch with that in our mainstream media. I think that it's very agenda-driven, uh, which you know, which you guys know, you guys know all this. There's no need in really getting down into the nitty gritty behind that uh, component here. You know, we kind of all know that on both sides. I get it. You know, Fox News. I certainly, uh, I certainly appreciate their take uh, more than some other ones. But I will not say that they're not without fault. I think that's an ignorant way to look at it. Say that they're the only ones really reporting. You know, quote the real news. Um, I, they are a media outlet. They have dollars involved. I'm sure, uh, to some degree there's favoritism, there's angles. It's, it's the media in general, but, um, I digress. We're going to get into a bunch of that stuff. Um, have to say thank you really quick here to our Patreon patrons. Huge shout out. Um, actually got some, some really good messages in the last couple of days. So we're rolling out some new content there. Guys, it really does work. If there's something you want to hear about on our Patreon page, if there's something that you want us to cover, you want information on, 
reach out, send us a message. More than happy to put that on the list of what we're working on, videos, things like that. As a Patreon patron, you have access to us and you know input on what you want to see or hear for content. So glad to see a couple people reaching out and taking advantage of that. So more to come. If you guys uh, want to support what we're doing here with Prepared Mindset, you can head on over to our Patreon page. It's uh, patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. Got a couple different tiers there. They all come with different benefits and things. Uh, we were just able to hook up a, a bunch of our patrons with the Scopecat Pros that dropped from 100 Concepts last month. And we were able to get those out like two and a half weeks our listener, our, our our patrons got those two and a half weeks prior to their actual official release date um, at the beginning of September. So that was really cool, and uh, you know we appreciate you guys, and uh, hopefully you guys appreciate the uh, the scope caps and and everything is everything. But big thanks to our Patreon supporters. We can't do this without you. Um, in addition to that, I have to say thank you to some of our partners here that make this podcast and all of our podcast episodes possible. Um, their support is outstanding and could not be more proud to partner with these companies in the industry. So first up, thank you to Custom Night Vision. Guys, you can check out everything they have available at customnightvision.com. Maybe you never heard of Custom Night Vision, then you probably have heard of Kosher Surplus. Same company, same folks, doing the same great work, just a scope shift from the ammo game over to the Night Vision game. And they have everything you guys need to jump on into Night Vision or just take a step in upgrading your Night Vision. Maybe you're somebody looking at your first tube, like a PVS-14, you don't have a ton of money. They have green phosphor options in stock. Nothing wrong with green phosphor. A lot of people start there. Some people even still prefer it, and it is a great entry point at a great price. If you have questions about you know, Elbit and Photonis and all these things, those are the companies that make the intensifier tubes, custom night vision stocks, all of them. They have a like, built-in chat function on the website, so you can talk to somebody there. You can ask questions. You can pick their brain. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. You know, We understand this is a big purchasing decision. You want to be able to purchase with confidence. And one of the things that they do to that extra step that not every night vision company out there does is they post up pictures of the tubes. So you can see what your image is going to look like, what your tube is going to look like prior to committing to purchasing it. You really don't want those little spot spots, the little blems, whatever. That's just a personal preference. Maybe you don't care and you just want some super high FOM or something. You guys can check those out. You can see what it's going to look like before you hand over the cash. Maybe you're just looking to upgrade. You want to go from green phosphor to white phosphor, go from an Elbit to an L3 in a PVS-14 in a, a Tonto housing, or maybe you have a Tonto and you're looking to pick up a second one, throw together one of those Nocturne Daisho bridges and build your first binocular set or buy it all as one piece. They have tons of options, you guys. I mean, the, the options are, are absolutely endless. Again, customnightvision.com. You guys can head over to the site, check out everything they have in stock, and it whatever you see there is ready to ship out. There's no, you know, 30-day, 60-day, 120-day lead times like some of these companies that build to order. You guys order it. You are getting it. I mean, mine came literally. I finished the paperwork on a Thursday, Friday afternoon. I had it in hand. It was ridiculously fast and an insanely positive buying experience. Super proud to work with these guys. Head on over to customnightvision.com and pick yours up today. Also, big shout out to Chris and the team over at HRT Tactical Gear. Guys, if you're looking for a solid plate carrier, I have been running their LBAC. It's their load-bearing adaptable carrier. It's got the Tigris Cummerbund, which you see a lot of companies starting to move over to. In fact, I think London Bridge just dropped theirs. 
HRT has been doing it since the beginning of this year, and it is an outstanding, outstanding option. It does a great job of spreading out the weight. I, I wore this carrier for you know the two-day uh, CQB class I took. I just went out on a field training exercise with my guys uh, Friday night. Absolutely no problems, no hot spots. It's super adjustable. It doesn't even. It comes in basically one size, and that's or two sizes depending on your size of plates. But it is so adjustable. They don't need to size to different cummerbunds and things like that. The LBAC is outstanding. If you're looking for something a little bit more traditional, they have other options like their rack and their A track, their arc belt. Outstanding system. Looking to get my hands on one of those. Really excited to play with it. Their mag pouches are popping up all over the place in reviews because of how just amazing and how like comfortable the retention is. Just a perfect level of retention on the mag pouches. HRTTacticalGear.com. Guys, head over to the website and check out all the good stuff they have going on. Shout out to 100 Concepts as well. I talked to Jonah pretty regularly at this point. Great guy, him, Garrett Pierce, they're all doing really, really outstanding work. You guys can head over to 100concepts.com, check out everything they have to offer. Like I said, they were nice enough to hook all of our patrons up with Scope Cap Pros ahead of the drop. So if you guys are looking to pick up some scope caps, if you're looking to, you know, deal with anti-reflective devices and things like that, their hex cap line keeps growing, right? They just dropped the 509. I know they just did a big restock on RMRs and Delta points, and they're always building. They're always working towards more options, better options to bring you guys every product to meet every need that you have, right? Their company motto is do good, be dangerous, live free. Head on over to 100concepts.com, check it out. And if you can't find what you're looking for in stock there, you can also head on over to T-Rex Arms and Big Tech's Ordnance. They carry all of the 100 Concepts line. And last but certainly not least, thank you to our friends over at LARP Labs. Guys, larplabs.com, discount code prepared mindset, all one word. It's going to save you 10% off your order when you go pick up some computer cut 3M vinyl wraps for your lights, your lasers, your PVS-14, uh, they just added the LS321G, which is the hollow sun laser that a lot of guys are grabbing because it's basically the same civilian functionality of some much more expensive units uh, due to civilian restrictions, but man, it's way more affordable, and they have all the camo, all the color options you can want, Ranger Green, Coyote Brown, M81, Multicam Tropic, Multicam Arid, all that good stuff, guys. Again, LARPLabs.com. Head on over to the website and check it out today. Pick yourself up some. Okay, <clears throat> so we can go ahead and get into this now. And man, I don't even know, where do I start? Um, okay, let's start with uh, Dianne Feinstein. So Senator Dianne Feinstein, or Feinstein, I don't, um, I don't honestly know the, uh, the correct pronunciation for her last name. Um, I don't want to say anything, I, I will say thank you. I guess, um, as she was a public servant for an extremely long time. And I will say thank you in that I think there that there is something to be said for anyone who dedicates their life to public service, let alone for the length of time that she did. Now, now, for those of you like <laughs> getting ready to hit the the stop button and everything, let me let me put an asterisk on that and just say that I did not appreciate basically anything that she's worked on in the past 30 years. Um, So for those of you guys that don't know and don't keep up on this, she died at 90 years old. She's still in office. And the day before she died, she was down as voting for, 
a bill or a package or something, you know, uh, that was presented. So, um, that raises, that raises some questions, you know, obviously, um, as to was she really doing the voting or was it, you know, her staffers that were, that were doing the voting for her, um, in a way that they thought it should be done. Right. Um, Apparently, she used to be a former mayor of San Francisco, which, I mean, it kind of falls in line with everything else. But, uh, you know, big, big, big part of the Democratic Party in the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years here. Uh, videos are surfacing now that she's passed, obviously, talking about, you know, how she she couldn't get her 51 votes uh, in the Senate. Otherwise, she would have, you know, done an all-out ban, an all-out ban on guns in general. Um, and she has be- had become one of the leading voices in this, uh, what I will say, I believe to be a very ridiculous argument that, um, that the standard citizen should not just, should just not be able to own a gun at all. We should not have, be able to have them at all. Mind you, she spent all of her adult life as, you know, uh, an elected official. So she's had personal security her entire life for the most part. Right. Um, so she never had to uh, be concerned, right, with personal protection. She never had to, to deal with any of those things that many of us do. Um, aside from the fact that, you know, a lot of people enjoy shooting firearms for, for pleasure, right, for recreation, uh, hunting, things like that, um, which are, you know, things that get brought up in the argument against why, uh, you know, magazine capacity, and, st- and we'll get more into that later, but she was a like a big voice in this stuff. Um my bigger issue with all of this is a couple of things. One, if you are 90 years old, news broke uh, probably two months ago, I want to say. She was on a power of attorney by her daughter. Um, if you guys don't know what how a power of attorney works, that basically means that the person that, that has this over an individual, <clears throat> in this case their daughter, um, can legally make all of their decisions for them, financial and otherwise. Uh, it basically means that they are no that individual that is being covered by this POA uh, is no longer fit to take care of themselves. They are no longer fit to make their own life decisions. You probably, you know, it, it, you've, it, a lot of you, I'm sure, your grandparents, right? Your your parents had a power of attorney over your grandparents in their last years as they were put in a nursing home or an assisted living center. Things like Alzheimer's and dementia set in. It's very unfortunate, um, but it is. But it's it's a part of life. Okay, it is a as someone who used to work in a bank branch, we used to deal with power of attorney stuff fairly regularly. I mean, not us specifically. We would take the paperwork. We have our legal people review it, and there were certain things we looked for. But I digress. It's a fairly common practice. But the understanding is that once you're covered by a power of attorney, you really don't. It's because you can't make your own decisions. Now, this is especially concerning given that she is a senator. So she cannot be trusted to take care of herself, but she is somehow can be trusted to make decisions which have a a far-reaching impact is such an understatement. I don't even want to use that term. She's voting on bills in the United States Senate, but she is not competent enough to take care of herself. I mean, it, it's like you, you put it, I, I, I almost want to put it in comparison with this John Fetterman character in Pennsylvania, the man who I, I question whether he is fit to wipe his own behind, 
but he is an elected representative for a, a whole state, behaves like a miscreant and an asshole, uh, and we're somehow there's enough voters in this country uh, that that thought that <laughs> somebody like that was fit to make decisions that I don't I don't understand. I don't I, I can't fathom no matter how much you agree with their policies. And I know that we politicians get this, this they well earned reputation for being slimy and sleazy. And a lot of them have made money in ways that is not technically illegal, but definitely I would say is immoral with insider trading and things like that. Uh, but I would like to think that these people should be at least professional enough to know how to address themselves. Uh, if I have to go to work, right. And I have to, at the very least, wear a collared shirt every day. I can wear jeans, but I have to wear a collared shirt. I would think that that same expectation from an elected, a nationally, uh, or national level, federal level, whatever, uh, re- you know, representative, that should be about the same. And instead, No, with Fetterman, they actually voted and passed a rule to lower the dress code standard so that he could walk around and wear his hoodies and his gym shorts instead of making him wear a suit. Uh, It's an embarrassment. But we are getting away a little bit from the point here. Um, So it's close in the Senate. I believe it's like a 5149 or something like that in our Senate or 5148, something like that. and now with Feinstein being deceased, it opens up her seat. And I believe what I read was that Governor Gavin Newsom, who is going to pop up here a little bit later um, in this discussion or in this episode, he has said he is working on appointing a interim replacement for Senator Feinstein. I believe what we'll see here is a push by the Republicans at this like weakened point to try and push through some pieces of legislation. Um, I, I don't know for sure. I don't know what's up on the table. I know that we just basically avoided a governmental shutdown last night, September 30th uh, at midnight was the cutoff. And I believe they have like an interim spending bill or something that got approved. Um, I'm sure there was stuff shared. I believe Dan Crenshaw shared something. Uh, there was like 31 Republicans or something that went back on their promises and, and sided with, you know, the spending package or, or something like that. And that's a whole nother issue. I mean, we're always going to have all these problems. Partisan politics are some of the most frustrating things uh, in the world when you when you get into it. And the problem, I think, is that we have this two-party system. We have the Democrats and the Republicans, obviously. Yes, we do have other parties. There's the Green Party. There's the Libertarian Party. But pr- predominantly speaking, it's, those, it's the Democrats and the Republicans. Uh, and if you are somebody who aligns 80% with that part, then, then you're, you're in that party. So when an issue arises where you don't agree, you fall in maybe that 20% or 25% that would maybe put you a little bit closer to the other side of things, you know, it's an issue. And we just assume that if you're a Republican, you should always vote with your party. And if you're a Democrat, you should always vote with your party. And that's not necessarily always true. It is probably not something that everybody wants to hear, but we all have some things we believe in that aren't strictly in line with our, uh, <clears throat> our party, I guess, you know, as conservatives, as pro two a individuals, a lot of us, I think, especially given how crappy things have been in the country, uh, for this administration, I think a lot of us are pretty proudly aligned with the Republican party, but there's, I mean, there's some things which I, I don't, <laughs> I don't always agree with everything that is tied to the Republican party. I just, I, I just don't. 
Uh, I grew up in a union household. So especially now with the UAW strikes going on, like I am a pro-union person. I, I, I support unions. I think that without labor unions, we would not be in the position we're in in this country. Now, I don't, I, I mean, I want to say that and, and just point out that unions of today are not the same as the unions when they first were created. I understand that. And I'm not, I'm also not saying that our unions are not without fault on a lot of things. I think they protect some pretty terrible individuals. I think they provide a lot of protections for people who should lose their jobs. I do. I'm not saying that that system isn't also broken, but I am saying that it does an awful lot to protect workers and take care of them and here's another thing, you know, because people like to bitch about banks all the time, and I work in finance. And everyone wants to, you know, wants to cry about the banks and, oh, they got governmental bailouts and this and that. Well, if you jump back 15 years when the financial collapse happened, right, the automakers also got bailouts from the federal government. But here's the other part that happened was, well, there was a freeze on workers' compensation increases, so not like workman's comp, but workers, like as in your, uh, the hourly pay rates and things. So many of these workers, I will say my father included, have not gotten a cost of living raise, which most of us see every year. It's never as much as it should be, but most of us at least get something every year. They have not seen a cost of living increase in over a decade. Think about that. Think about what you were making in the workforce a decade ago, and if you, with the position you'd be in, if you had never, if you hadn't gotten a pay increase. A lot of us, overtime isn't an option. Yes, it is, and overtime is an option in the auto industry because just manufacturing needs and things like that. But if you have to work the overtime, if you have to work sixty hours a week because you depend on that ex, that twenty hours of overtime or, or or whatever, I'm just throwing numbers out there, right? To make these things. To, to make ends meet with your family because you have kids and you have a car payment and you have a house. That's not saying you're living a life of luxury. That's just saying if you think to what you were making 10 years ago and that's your base pay, I mean, things start to get into perspective really fucking quick, especially when we look at how like awful the economy is, despite what you know the White House press secretary and all the advisors for this administration would like to tell everyone and what the media tells everyone about record unemployment numbers and oh the economy and this is Trump's fault because it took 4 years like I had a friend tell me that this is all Trump's fault because it takes 4 years for these policies to kick in and that is such a load of horseshit now yes there are instances where some bills and policies don't take effect for a year or two but what I will say is if we can somehow, sh like as a nation, we can short GameStop and almost push them to the brink of bankruptcy overnight, there's no way you're going to convince me that it takes four years for this shit to fucking fall apart. There's, and it, oh, it's Trump's fault. Biden's here fixing it, but it's all Trump's fault because his policies are finally kicking in. Bullshit. It's bullshit. When have we had economic problems in this country if you look if you look, go back to the 90s a lot of it i mean look at clinton yeah ooh, yeah we got to the end of the bubble the bubble burst when clinton was in office uh, or right after he got out of office bush came in yet yeah, 9-11 kind of helped save things obama gets in office oh look the housing market and the financial collapse 
the country was still was was barely was crawling out of financial ruin when Trump took over, and he took us to new stock market highs and like sub two dollar a gallon gas prices and things, and we actually had a pretty good life going here for about a year and a half, and then things went to the shitter because then we had covid and then we had the liberal media tell us we all need to stay inside our house and issue these lockdowns even biden's own advisors came out were were on the record anonymously saying this is the best thing that could have happened for his campaign because without covid without the literally the world-ending pandemic i don't think we would have seen a president joe biden i don't i think life for all of the bad tweets and all the rude shit he was said, he's saying, and you know, grab her right by the whatever, you know, all that crap that went along with with Donald Trump, the country was in a much better place, and it was because of his policies. It was because of the pipeline that he put in place. It was because of the pushes towards American manufacturing. Yeah, things came up for a little bit. They came back down because jobs were here. The economy was stronger. Jobs here means there's a lower unemployment rate. That's a direct indicator, as opposed to Biden, who will shut down the country, literally remove about 30% of the nation's workforce because there's just no business going on. And then when they reopen everything six or eight months later, go and look at, oh, look, we have a 25% job rate increase. That's a record number. We did that. We did that. Trump broke it and we fixed it. No, no, that's not... uh, this administration, uh, it's it's a miscarriage of information is basically the nicest way I can put the way that they address the American people. They treat us like we're stupid, and they do that because a lot of people basically act like they're stupid. They'll listen to anything that comes out of the government, and they'll watch any news outlet as long as it's not Fox because everybody knows that Fox is evil, and uh, they will just consume that at a rate that's, frankly, a little bit unbelievable, and yeah. That's where we're at. Now, speaking of this uh, administration, something else I want to get to, they have, the White House, that is, has uh, announced the creation of the White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention. Before I go further, I would just like to, (laughs) uh, I would like to point out that one of the top agenda items for this administration mind, think about everything that's gone on in the last four years, and then even the year prior to coming into office, their top agenda item has been banning guns, gun control, killing the Second Amendment. That has been their top agenda item. And if you look at everything else that's going on, we got a border crisis, we're pouring literally billions of dollars out of our struggling, possibly even, I would dare say, failing economy to Ukraine to fight a war and a fight that's not ours to be concerned with. Now, there's difference between giving foreign aid and throwing 60-plus billion dollars at, at that problem. There's a big fucking difference there, okay? We have people rioting in the streets. We have people looting in, in cities across the nation. We have shipping problems that are still not solved from COVID. We have now the government coming out saying that COVID's coming back. We already know it's coming back this winter. How the fuck do you already know that? If you're smart enough to know that now, how did you not know that then and get ahead of this curve? I mean, it, it's absolutely ret- just ridiculous. Uh, I just, I don't understand how people are so naive to think that anything coming out of this administration is plausible and believable. Um, the problems I have with this, because I think anybody who's a reasonable gun owner and is a 2A advocate, you, we own these weapons for home defense, for self-defense, and for preservation of our community and our well-being, right? 
So to prevent gun violence, I think that's at its core something every, all of us believe in. We don't want to see any more mass shooters. We don't want to see any more school shooters. We don't want to see any more gang violence, right? We want, we want this solved as much as anybody else, okay? Well, where we have the disagreement is how to get to that point. People on the left, including the sitting administration, the Democratic Party mostly, thinks that the, the answer is to ban, bar, and remove all firearms, Obviously, you have other uh, institutions like the uh, NRA, the Gun Owners of America organization. There's there's tons, right? <clears throat> but when they built this office of gun violence prevention, nobody from those groups, those pro two A groups, nobody from those were were involved. So, are you really trying to prevent gun violence, or are you really just trying to kill gun rights? Now, you'll call it an Office of Gun Violence Prevention because that sounds good. That sounds like you're working towards the greater good of the people. That sounds like you're trying to address public safety. And they'll say that they are all day long. However, <laughs> uh, the people heading this up are Robert Wilcox from Everytown and Greg Jackson of Community Justice Action Fund. So two programs right there between Everytown and Community Justice that are staunchly anti-2a the problem here is the guns nobody needs a gun uh they throw around terms like assault weapons assault handguns assault rifles large capacity magazines we'll get more into that as well later but that's a term created entirely by the media the ar-15 the car 15 whatever platform you know the that model rifle when it was designed came with a 30 round magazine it's designed to run with a 30 rounder not a 10 round, not a 15, not a 20, 30 is the standard. Somehow the media has basically pushed this narrative so fucking hard that now the general person who does not own a firearm, does not know anything about it, thinks that the AR and AR-15 stands for assault rifle, thinks that, you know, a 5.56 round is some kind of like world ending, you know, over penetrator, that 30 rounds is high capacity and you don't need that despite the fact that there's uh there's a lot of data out there to show why 30 round magazines are used in law enforcement and why it actually is applicable because in a one-on-one scenario you can shoot somebody nine ten times and still have them be combat effective maybe you need more than that maybe there's more than one assailant you don't know so there's a lot that goes into it. I'm not going to, I don't want to turn this discussion into that discussion, but the media has driven that. We've talked about that on this podcast to, you know, nauseam. But my fear with this is as we're entering what will basically be, this will be the last year of the Biden uh, presidency. I believe that. I, I don't, I don't know who's going to run on the Republican side or the libertarian ticket or anything. I would be absolutely shocked if Biden was able to make it into running for re-election. I know he's announced that he will, but if he truly makes it, I will be shocked. If he wins re-election, I will be horrified. Uh, because, well, there's just a lot there, and I don't think with the, the state of things and with all the money that's getting sent over to Ukraine, while we have problems here like, again, like the border, like taking care of our, our veterans, our homeless, uh, governmental infrastructure, we have fucking families in Hawaii that were given $400 by the government after their homes were burned to the ground by seemingly a infrastructure problem 
uh, and that's all $400. Like what the fuck is that going to do? And in that number, someone, someone should check me on that number. I know that the number that was given was not enough to cover the cost of a home. The government's not doing anything to help people. In fact, they were actually trapping people uh, in certain areas, uh, as I understand it, which led to more danger, and I believe in a couple instances, more deaths. And the government's not doing anything to help. You know, the, the president wanted to compare it to a, a kitchen fire in his home where he almost lost his precious Corvette. Which is the same one, by the way, that had, you know, classified documents on it when they raided his home and found those, but nothing happened to him. Not like when they raided Mar-a-Lago and found, you know, previously classified, now declassified documents at his home. And it was just one of the many indictments that they pulled Trump into because they are working to make sure he doesn't win a second presidential term and undo everything they spent the last three and a half years, you know, fucking up. Um... But yeah, I mean, if you're really trying to fight the fight against gun violence, I I mean, why not bring people from all sides of the table? Why not bring in every perspective? You know what I'm saying? If you are truly trying to address this issue, when I'm at work and we have project teams, you bring in people with different perspectives. You bring in people that think differently than you because you want their insight. You want their perspective and you want their experience. You want to know how to look at things differently because if one idea one side of the argument really had the answer and they they swear they do they swear it's the republicans stopping them they could fix all of this if they were just allowed to but here's the thing it won't work and there's already test cases out there supporting this because there are cities that have constitutional carry laws there are states that have constitutional carry laws and you can actually see where violent crime is down Likewise, you can learn, look at the converse side of that argument and look at cities like Detroit here in Michigan. You can look at cities like Chicago and L.A. and New York where they have some of the strictest gun laws in the country. And they have some of the highest violent crime, not, like, not even just guns, but the highest violent crime rates in the country. And those are all Democrat-run cities, FYI. So while they want to sit here and say they have the answer and they'll keep saying it till they're blue in the face, it's just not true. And yes, the gun laws, oh, the gun laws work. We had a 15% decrease in gun violence. Yes, you had a decrease in gun violence because yes, technically there are less guns, but did you have a decrease in overall violence? Because my, my thing, I'm not, I don't care what you're coming at me with, whether it's a claw hammer or a crowbar, a fucking knife or a firearm. If you are intending to do harm to me, my family, or some bystander who is around me defending their life is the the objective. It makes no difference what the weapon is. And that's really how you need to look at that's the lens you need to put on this is not just addressing gun violence, but addressing overall violent crime. And that's the number that we need to be working on getting down. The problem is that when you reduce the number of guns legally obtained and make it harder for law-abiding citizens to carry firearms to defend themselves, what you're actually doing is making it easier for criminals, and they'll just find another way to fuck people up. Whether that's a broken bottle, whether it's a knife, whether it's a crowbar, a hammer, uh, a vehicle, their bare hands, doesn't matter. Domestic abuse cases are all over the place, and I'll tell you what, anybody who's ever been a victim in a life-threatening situation like that, I, if you didn't have a gun, talk to a lot of them if not all of them, I bet you any one of them wishes they had a firearm in that case. It is the greatest force multiplier. It's the easiest way to even the fight. 
and beyond evening the fight to make it an unfair fight in favor of the victim, in favor of the good guy. So uh, we'll see what happens with this, but uh, this Office of Gun Violence Prevention sounds an awful lot like an official committee and board. Uh, it, it feels you know, What it feels like, honestly, is an end around on the ATF. Because the ATF is a federal agency, they have red tape they have to go through, They're, they have to be held accountable to you know, uh, the Senate and things like that. Whereas this Office of Gun Violence Prevention, it feels like, is an end around. It feels like it's a circumvention of the existing policies and processes we have in place where they're going to do as much as they can to, like I said, circumvent what we have to try and push for broader gun control measures in ways that cannot be beat through traditional argument today. Things like gun policy, groups like uh, gun policy, right, are, are taking the fights to the courts um, which carries us into our next topic here. And I think that, that that office is going to be strictly uh, focused around that fight and invalidating legal arguments and, and funding uh, the effort to, to ban firearms. I do. I think it's going to cause a lot of problems, and I think it needs to be disbanded and destroyed almost immediately. We have senators. We have representatives for, that are that are educated folks that should be the ones deliberating these issues and looking at these numbers. Having something like this, this just seems like it smells bad, man. It just does. But like I was saying, um, so so getting into the legal side of things, and this is the last topic for today's episode, um, is there's, there's a, a court ruling in California, September 22nd, um, a ruling basically that California cannot ban owners from having detachable 10 plus round magazines. If you guys didn't know this, in California... They've had some of, if not the most, oppressive gun control laws, including capacity limits, which I think it's 10 rounds and under is all you can have. So we call like that's you hear people call like Cali compliant guns or Cali compliant mags is 10 rounds. So, you know, it's a full 30 round magpul mag. You have to have like a stopper in the follower that will basically stop that magazine from loading after 10 rounds. Um, and you have to like mark it as a 10 rounder, or they may, they may not even be able to sell them. They may just have to sell the little 10 rounders that barely stick out of the bottom of the mag. Well, um, and in addition to that, you can't, you cannot have a detachable box magazine. Like there has to be like a key or like a disassembly process. And I don't know, I don't, I'm not, well, I don't live in California, obviously. So I don't give a shit other than knowing that it's unconstitutional, but there are, there has to be like a, you cannot easily detach this magazine. So you have to install something on this rifle and have it inspected that you have to like get in with a tool to have that magazine removed. Basically, they want every firearm to function like a bolt-action hunting rifle where you can hold four or five rounds, and you have to feed them in one at a time through the top of the firearm. And you cannot just slap in a full loaded magazine. Um, so... The ruling, basically, this is from federal judge uh, Roger Benitez, saying, Like the Swiss Army knife, the popular AR-15 rifle is a perfect combination of home defense weapon and homeland defense equipment. Also goes on, quoted, being quoted here to say, No American tradition of limiting uh, ammunition capacity, because there isn't. There's nothing in the Second Amendment. There's basically nothing in any other court rulings that actually supports and creates what is what would be classified or identified, seen as, right, a tradition of having a capacity limit. It's not stated in the Second Amendment, obviously, and it's something that has, it, it's a completely arbitrary number, 20-round mag, 15-round mag, 10-round mag, just like barrel lengths, 
right? We Oh, anything under 26 inches overall length on a weapon is what now classifies it as an NFA item. These are completely arbitrary numbers, right? Uh, basically, some p- politician at some point in time did what I'm sure they call a, they called a study and evaluated of different evaluation of different data and decided that it if it was any shorter than this it could be easily concealed and therefore it's a threat to public safety, which is why the NFA absorbed those kinds of weapons and devices like suppressors that we all now have to pay an unconstitutional $200 tax stamp to be able to have those items. Basically, a validation to the government that we're worthy and legally uh, allowed to have. I mean, we already run background checks. And and personally, I don't have a problem with the background checks, mostly because I've never done anything to warrant one. So I really don't, I don't have a problem with it. Beyond that, like, we already have background checks in place. This is still something they, they want to go into universal background checks, which I think would then require private sellers. But th- that's here nor there in the, the scope of this discussion. But um, uh, one one last quote here that because we brought this up earlier and we continue to talk about it, obviously. Uh, the judge goes on to say there have been and there will be times where many more than 10 rounds are needed to stop attackers. Yet under this statute, the state says too bad. And I, I fucking love that because that, that really is what they're saying. State of California is saying too bad. If you can't stop somebody in 10 rounds, your life is not worth it. Or I guess, uh, what's the, the, the quote from call of duty is remember it's faster to transition to secondary than to reload. And in this instance, it really fucking would be because you are pretty much stuck to 10 rounds in that rifle. And then you have to go to your, your pistol, which I believe handguns can still have because there's not really, with semi-automatic handguns, there's not a feasible way to work that in. Um, but you'd be able to go to your, your your pistol, your handgun transition, right? But again, that's assuming that in, you, in a self-defense scenario, you're going to be, I don't know, kitted up, jocked up, whatever. Now, the, the kooky part here is it doesn't apply to law enforcement. LAPD SWAT doesn't run 10-round 10, 10 mags without detachable uh, box magazines, and they don't have to abide by the ban on pistol grips on the rifles. Like, there's a certain angle. That's why you see all those goofy stocks out there that look like black polymer hunting stocks, but super futuristic and all that goofy shit that's attached to the rifles that are California-compliant. Uh, there, there's so many, it can't have an adjustable length stock. It can't have a detachable muzzle device. There are so many different pieces of, of the California legislature that have been passed into law by the Democrats to quote, make the state safer and protect basically the common populace. It, it is, they've done it basically their best to ensure that the general public cannot own any kind of rifle, short of a bolt action. And even then, uh, I believe there's some restrict. There's probably some restrictions on caliber or something. Um, but they want, yeah, shotguns and bolt action rifles, and that's it. The law, law enforcement doesn't have to play by those rules. They, they get to have full 30-round magazines, and I'm sure their handguns have full-capacity magazines, and they can do all the fun shit that their citizens can't, and that's that, to me, is bullshit, because these are... These are sworn protectors of the community. They're not above the law. They're not beyond the law. Now, they do have qualified immunity, but I believe, this is my belief, that basically they are in a on a daily basis coming into life-threatening situations where they may have to deploy a handgun or a rifle or both. 
Whereas the common citizen really doesn't, so we don't get qualified immunity because it's not, we're not expected to walk into those situations and those scenarios in our daily life. Uh, and if you are, um, well, I feel bad for you. I would encourage you to look into moving or, I guess, for like the slim chance here, I would say stop going out looking for fucking trouble. You're not as good as you think you are. Uh, but I digress. So, this ruling, again, Judge Benitez came out and made this ruling. Huge win in probably one of the most contested states for 2A rights. And immediately, <laughs> immediately, Gavin Newsom comes out, makes t- makes comments, uh, you know, and I didn't even write them down because I don't want to give, I, I hate talking about Gavin Newsom because I think he's such just a slime ball. He doesn't do anything to protect his people. He's all about just pandering politically. He almost lost his reelection bid. Uh, unfortunately, he won, so he's you know still there and doing his shit. Uh, but basically, they're 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 continuing to sign more you know uh, anti constitutional or, or unconstitutional I should say unconstitutional anti Second Amendment legislation and. More and more of those things are being invalidated by higher district court rulings, and some of this stuff, like I'm sure this magazine ban, because they're they're forcing the issue, it's probably going to go to the Supreme Court at this point. And once the Supreme Court rules on it, that's it. Uh, and that's something that I'm actually looking forward to because you know some of these major invalidations on some of these some of the biggest gun control policies that are out there, things like magazine capacity bans, the things about, you know, you can't have an uh, adjustable stock and and stuff like that. Some of these things that just absolutely make no difference whatsoever on whether a firearm is more or less safe for the user or the community. And in a lot of instances, it actually makes it harder to be accurate. And I would, I would argue that that, that really makes it less safe for the community when you put so many restrictions on this, Uh, because there's a lot of people out there that are like Travis Haley, right? Who when he was working on the grip, the pistol grip for AR-15s that BCM makes, which I run and I love, you talk about the angle of your wrist, you talk about the, you know, how the human body is built to work. And when you look at it in those scientific confines and you apply logic and, and principles and things to that and you want a straight trigger press, it allows you to be more accurate with less training, which means that the lay person, the common man, somebody who's a more casual shooter has a, I mean, technically, right, a better chance of being successful deploying that weapon system with something like that as opposed to one of these, like, just goofy as shit uh, stocks with a crappy angle on it, like a hunting rifle and all these things that are done just to pander for votes, essentially. So, um, but at any rate... Uh, so, I mean, awfully lot to unpack there, you guys. Uh, I, I'll i be keeping an eye on this. I definitely want to see what happens with Feinstein's seat in the Senate, who they're going to replace her with, uh, and also what's going to be done, because if she was in that bad of shape, you have to believe her staffers were voting for her. It wasn't her making those decisions. If we're going to see any kind of bills introduced to, to combat this, so we have so many just aging representatives in both the House and the Senate who really should not be allowed to hold office we need to put term limits on and we need to put age limits on we really do including for the presidency we have an age limit to get into the office you have to be at least at least i think it's like 38 years of age or something you have to be at least that old to get in why do we not have an age limit on how old you can be to hold that office the body breaks down and wears out the mind is part of the body and as most of us have seen with you know 
grandparents or people in our neighborhoods and things, or just turn on the TV and see anything our fucking president does, the mind is one of the first things to break down. It's one of the first things to weaken. And if we are looking for responsible, strong leadership, regardless of which side the political aisle they reside on, because I will say we've had great Democratic presidents and we've had great Republican presidents. We may not agree with some of their policies, but a lot of them were great leaders. But they need to be able to execute the duties of that office. And I don't believe that's what we're looking at right now. And I don't believe that's what we're going to have if we have, a, you know, a second term for Joe Biden. I just, I don't believe that. That's my opinion. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are going to disagree because he's not Donald Trump. And that's what we need to focus on, which I think is the stupidest fucking way ever of voting. Um, I've had friends tell me, uh, friends tell me that, oh, I, we, I couldn't have Trump. He was too mean. His tweets were too mean. He was embarrassing. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He was a good leader. Oh, but he said, you know, he said this and he tweeted that. Yeah, well, he wasn't the president when he did that. And everybody, look at all the shit Joe Biden's done while he was in office. Like, come on, is it really that much worse? Or is this being portrayed as that much worse by the media because they're on a crusade? You guys make the, you guys make it up for yourselves. Uh, make up your minds for yourselves. I, I have my opinion, um, which if you guys have been listening to me for any length of time, it's pretty clear how I feel about it. But... I uh, appreciate you guys checking this out. These are always interesting. You know, these these fly by. You know, it's it's tough sometimes to do some interviews and 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 stuff and and try and get to a hour or an hour and a half of time. I actually love being able to do these just once a month uh, because I can just grab a couple topics like that. And uh, hey, we're already at fifty minutes almost, <laughs> uh, and that's just me just ranting, just straight passion. I, I've got like a, a page of notes. Um, a couple of bullet points. It's not like this is completely scripted, obviously. So uh, this is straight from the heart and my mind. Uh, but I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope this was uh, thought-provoking for you. And we'll have another one of these next month, uh, possibly sooner. If anything else ridiculously crazy crazy happens, let's let's hope that that's not, that's not the case. But until then, everybody, get out there. Hit the range. Enjoy some of this beautiful fall weather we're, you know, as we're, we're stepping into October before it gets a little bit too cold to be out doing stuff. But... Until then, like we always say here, work hard, train smarter, and be prepared.